0: Hello, and welcome to The Gardens, located in sunny The Gardens is one of the largest combined zoological habitat and theme parks in the world. With over 72 thrilling attractions and nearly 11,000 animals in our care, we know that every member of your family will find something incredible each time you visit. But that's just the start of your adventure. To really see what the park has to offer, I'll turn you over to our top two guides. Take it away, boys.
1: Welcome to ThoughtSpeak, a podcast dedicated to the weekly discussion of K. Applegate's 1996 book series Animorphs. And we're back.
2: We are back, and my name's Mitchell. And my name's Coleman. Darn tootin' it is. So, yeah, it's been a while. What's What's been happening?
1: Uh, we're gonna just explain things real quick, uh, which is the theme of tonight's episode and <laughs> episodes from now on. Uh, uh, real, real quick? Real quick. Uh... Basically, we've been working on a lot of stuff. We have a lot going on, projects, work. We're We're busy busy people. people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're very busy people. And, you know, this podcast we do for fun. We do it because we love Animorphs and uh, we want to continue to do it. We both enjoy doing it. But it's hard to make it work within our lives the way we were doing it but i think we found a way to tighten up the episodes so that means slightly shorter episodes with still having the in-depth talk um and just get it to you quicker and have it easier in our lives so that's what we're trying to do a new tighter awesome uh thought speak that,
2: that is uh, that is what we're aiming for yes and uh you know part of the part of the big reason for this uh thought speak hiatus this this drought we've been through so far Uh, was in part um, due to you have been doing a lot of work on something that I've been very actively involved in as well, which is, of course, maybe some people know, uh, I write book series of my own. And Coleman has been busting his butt with an excellent crew to deliver an awesome book trailer, which you can all check out now because it's
1: online. Yeah, and we'll post it to the ThoughtSpeak as well, our uh, Facebook, Twitter, probably Red Page, all that stuff. Um, didn't even know what a book trailer was before we got into it, but that's a thing now, and uh, it turned out really good. I- I'm-, I'm really happy with it, and hopefully it uh, sells some of Mitch's books. <laughs> hopefully.
2: Well, uh, you guys can all check that out at your leisure. Um, I-, I I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, if you dig Animorphs, maybe you'll dig the uh, crazy stuff that I write. <laughs>
1: But for now, we're not going to bore you with banter or talking about our busyness or any more excuses on why you've been deprived of your precious thought speak. Point is,
2: point is, drought's over and we are super excited to get into The Warning.
1: Which we're going to get into right now. Now!
0: This section of the park houses one of the most extensive research libraries devoted to animal biology on the west coast. Your guides will provide a thorough summary of any book that might catch your eye. Careful though, once you get them started, they'll never want to stop.
2: It's been so long now, I don't even remember which of us was the last one to read the back of the book. You can leave you can yeah, it to this
1: one if you want. That's fine.
2: I I would love to do this. Uh, as uh, as we've stated, we are reading the warning. That's the one with Jake turning into a rhino on the cover. Uh, the front quote says, "Now it'll take more than the truth to set you free." What what does that mean? It
1: has no relevance, relevance to the book. What relevance does that
2: hold to this story? I, <laughs> Absolutely none. I'm sure some of the fans out there are very creative, and they could find a way to to really tie that in. And if I sat here and thought about it long enough, maybe I could too. But Anyway, here's the back of the book. Jake's made a pretty amazing discovery. Seems like there may be other people who know about the invasion. Others who know about the Yerks. Jake finds a website devoted to the Yerks. And Jake, the other Animorphs and Axe, aren't sure it's too good to be true. But if they try to investigate the site and it's a trap, there's no way the Yerks won't find out who they are. If they don't check it out, they'll never know if they're the only ones fighting. Whatever Jake and the others decide to do, they've got to move quickly because visitor 3 isn't the only one dying to meet them. Wow, you know how many times it says Jake on the back of this thing? You
1: know how many times it says Yerk on the back of the thing? <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few. Yeah. Uh, honestly, though, as far as, like, original concepts go in the series so far, that one's got me hooked a little bit. Just reading the back. It's yeah, well,
2: and when this first came out, I mean, this was around the, uh, the advent of the internet, and uh, I don't... I, I can't give many examples, but I think that was kind of the the popular thing to do at the time was this crazy new technology is coming out, and so much could be done with it. That yeah, it found its way into a lot of stories, and Animorphs was no exception.
1: <laughs> and I will say, just continuing to talk about the cover, uh, great color scheme, one of the cooler looking books, like the I don't know, kind of weird, darker red. And uh, they went for more a realistic sky where it's like a sunset or something.
2: I'm pretty sure I have this exact same outfit Jake's wearing.
1: <laughs> well, that's the that's the only thing that holds it back is this is the most ridiculous looking mid morph. Like that third morph oh, yeah. from Jake. Oh yeah,
2: the one where he still it, got like the he the looks hair like such a over. sad,
1: large, like middle aged man who's disfigured.
2: Yep, and he's got my hairstyle too, so that doesn't really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, I assume you based your entire uh, teenage years ha- hairstyle and everything else off of the cover of Animorphs books. You
2: know, if if this were remade into a new TV show, I am fairly confident I could play Jake. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I would also like to go a step further into the inner cover. And again, just zero relevance to the book. Yeah. They're like it's some outdoor wild park
2: well it, it looks like it's like right there on the serengeti or something and there's a weird sign in the background on it, it it's clearly... not tobias
1: flying overhead
2: it's it's some other
1: bird <laughs> yeah it's not even a red-tailed hawk <laughs> but and it's clearly you know in the book it, it's they're indoors right like they swoop down maybe there's an opening in the it, it's more of an outside thing but this it's not a serengeti
2: yeah, I don't know. Not much, not a whole heck of a lot of description was given to it, but. It,
1: this is not downtown San Diego in the background. I know that for a fact.
2: This is not the work of somebody who read the book and was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I
1: can, we need I can, a rhino. I can animate a,
2: that scene. Don't worry.
1: Put a bird in the sky over him. No, yeah, there we go. <laughs> put Tobias up there. You know what he looks like,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, Tobias. That's the, that's the He's bird a bird, right? One.
1: <laughs> He's a velociraptor, right? Uh, <laughs> no, anyway, no. okay. Moving into the book itself.
2: I I do want to get to the book itself because this is a good one. And it it starts out um, a little bit different than most books, I I think. I haven't been keeping track of this, to be honest with you. But this is one that doesn't start out with, my name is Jake. Um,
1: Oh, good point.
2: And, you know, I wish I'd kept track of that. And I I could say with some certainty whether any of the other books started with or without that line or not. But this is the first one I actually noticed it. And uh, it, it instead starts with Jake talking about his online screen name for for the reason that uh, this is very '90s techno babble here with all the computer lingo.
1: <laughs> and a much more subtle recap. It's very much woven into the beginning, talking about the internet and computers. It doesn't force feed the recap over you.
2: Yeah, yeah. This this didn't didn't feel like it was beating us over the head with it. Um, it it's actually pretty entertaining. I guess, uh, not the most, you know, action-packed first opening chapter that we've seen from some of the other books.
1: At least it's not Cassie and Rachel in a science lab playing with mice. So. Well, yeah, that's
2: true, that's true. Although we did get a kind of amusing, uh, email here that says it's from Cassie, even though it's, uh, quite Marco. obviously Marco.
1: <laughs> yep, with their, uh, AOL equivalent, um, dial-up modem and The old system. WAA. Mm-hmm.
2: Where's I call it, Whack.
1: Yeah, and uh, just like to point out, he says he's on a. Is he on a thirty-two? He's on a thirty-two, <laughs> no.
2: and he's jealous 32. of Marco's sweet fifty-six k. Yeah,
1: thirty-two k. That's. <laughs> I think he says Cassie's is even lower, versus like sixteen or something. Cassie's on a Calico Vision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a Calico Vision. <laughs> so
2: after after some of this, nineties uh, techno babble, um, just on a whim, Jake kind of decides to search yerk online see what pops up and su- it. surprisingly now this is before he used webcrawler <laughs> he asked jeeves about <laughs> yerk's
1: <laughs> well and, sir
2: and, and quite surprisingly he finds a website devoted you,
1: to yerk's there's only one search result because that's how searching doesn't work yeah totally yeah so yeah when he he finds this website that is just can't tell if it's real can't tell if it's mixing knowledge of actual yerks with just fiction
2: right uh, they, they they go to everybody meets up at marco's house later and this is why because of his, his sweet internet connection mm-hmm. and they're they're browsing the website checking out things that are on there there's various uh pictures of aliens which is kind of um uh good news for them i guess and i just like some to validity to it
1: yeah, I'd just like to point out that one of them looks like a Horpiteer, kind of. So they're thinking that's, yeah, that, that could mean it's someone knowledgeable of the Yurks. And one looks like, uh, they say it's one of the aliens from, like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I'd like to point out here when uh, Axe talks about, hey, this is the actual, this is the Na of the Skritna. How do I know about them, you ask? Oh, from Elfinger's Big Adventure. Have you guys seen that in stores? <laughs> <laughs> Coming this fall. Yeah, just just blatant reference to the Andelite Chronicles and I'm surprised they didn't if this would have been online if it were an ebook, I assume it has a link to the Amazon page for Andelite Chronicles. Axe <laughs> was like,
2: My brother, the Andelite, who had some sort of chronicle
1: <laughs> Have you read his diary of the events?
2: Here it is. From Scholastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well and besides the pictures of the AIDS, they have like the terms and stuff on there which which adds to the validity a little bit more. And um, they're just basically trying to figure out why this site exists, what the purpose is, um, you know, if it's run by controllers. They've got it lot even of has questions.
1: a even has a list of controllers, and most of them are bogus. But for some reason, Chapman's on there. And yeah, that ad- that adds to it. It's just it's just random though.
2: And then I like this this bit. Whenever computers, whenever the internet, whenever hacking is involved in the Animorphs universe, it's. It's uh, it's always on the convenient side, and this is no exception. Where they spot that there's a chat part of the website, so Axe is like, "Hang on, here, I'll, I'll fix up your computer so that you know nobody can trace us while we're doing this," and that's fairly believable. That's fine. And uh, <laughs> the part, the part that I'm gonna criticize comes up a little bit after this, where they actually go into the chat room, and this part of the book is really weird. It is. Only because of the formatting, though.
1: Well, I don't understand. I'm My listeners hearing us now, I've been on the internet since the internet started. I mean, I wasn't in like the uh, like 95 uh, net groups or anything like that, that where it really started. But, you know, I was in the early stages of AOL chat rooms and all that. I don't ever remember a character limit where people were like talking over each other.
2: Yeah, I I don't know where they got that from either, to be or honest it's like with you. like
1: cutting off sentences. I don't It's, it's like
2: that. a super pre-Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh it you know, it was kind of cool seeing them mix up the format though. I mean, that was interesting.
2: Yeah, oh, it, it definitely surprised me when I flipped open the page and um I I don't know if the the listeners know what we're talking about but it is formatted very differently they even use a different font which yeah whenever you see a new font in an animorphs book it's like what is
1: this for yeah it's a chat room type you know back and forth mixed in with their thoughts and dialogue but it
2: is difficult to read because of the the limits sentences cut off and then you gotta keep you know checking the the usernames to follow the conversations it's it's a little weird
1: (laughs) yeah anyway but the way people are talking is also interesting because about half of them actually talk like they're either former controllers or they have experience with someone who's a controller. They're giving very big red flags of knowing what they're talking about and, you know, being against it. And then you have the other half of people who are blatantly talking out of their ass. They're kind of almost sounding like they know what controllers are, but they're giving terrible advice. They're telling people to, oh, you think someone's a controller? You should go talk to them and ask them. (laughs) Right. Uh,
2: Suspect that person's an alien? Confront them about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it'll turn out all right. So, and it's just a very weird, again, just like the website, it's a very weird mix of, you know, lies and factual content.
2: Yeah, and they're all just sitting around, kind of, you know, trying to gauge who these people are, if they are controllers, if they're setting traps. They have no idea, and this is where hack or X's hacking skills are not good enough because he's for some reason not able to get everyone's user information. But um, <clears throat> Marco has a much better idea, and he suggests breaking into the Web Access America headquarters, as if that were possible idea
1: yeah and it's not across the road it's uh they make it sound like it's in like the middle of the country or something yeah
2: it's uh it's far away it's too far for them to morph birds and just fly there with demorphing and and continuing the journey it it would take simply just too long they couldn't do it in the single day that they need to so this is their their big plan is that they're gonna use the airport and I thought that was uh pretty pretty clever right off the bat.
1: It surprised me. It more more so cleverness on the author, KA Applegate, just the fact that she's gonna take us out of the city where everything happens. Um, and that they're going to try to figure out how to sneak onto no a plane. Now this is pre nine eleven, so they're able to get away <laughs> with a lot at this airport that they would not normally be able to get away with.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. The TSA hasn't started cracking down on Flymorph just yet. But...
1: There is no TSA before 9-11. <laughs> well,
2: no, I know. I'm saying the TSA now doesn't crack down on Flymorph.
1: They really should. You focused should.
2: on the wrong part of the joke,
1: Coleman. I feel like <laughs> I'm unprotected from fly terrorists. From fly spies.
2: From fly spies.
1: <laughs> fly spies. <laughs> so they get to the airport and, uh, you know, they get ready to put their plan in motion they decide to go fly morph uh for some reason they think that's the quickest way to get around
2: again i I love seeing them strategize talk you know what kind of morphs we should be using putting forethought into it of course they're they're
1: far enough along that they're
2: quite the group
1: yeah and there is some question of being able to see very well compound eyes and they need to do some pretty good scene to get into a gate Uh, well yeah how the
2: heck is a fly gonna make its way all the way through an airport you know it it, it
1: just wouldn't work until (laughs) (laughs) until they uh make a joke about following some poop and then a lady walks by with her baby about to change a diaper and so then they send in jake who loses a rock paper scissors match right and he grabs the diaper and throws it in the uh, trash can right by the gate so that'll give them a good trail to follow to get to the right airplane
2: that is an excellent start to the mission
1: yeah, it's very, it's almost very happy-go-lucky at this point, uh, like joking around. Oh, we gotta follow poop. This is such a fun mission,
2: right? And then he, here's another, uh, another animorph's staple that just seems to always have to happen in a in a uh, animorph's book. The team goes to undress themselves in the bathroom and you know steal a stall to do some morphing, but as usual, <laughs> while they're in the middle of morphing, uh, just random guy busts open the the bathroom stall because he couldn't wait and gets the 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 worst moment you could ever bust in on somebody morphing is mid-morph especially during fly morph.
1: yeah he just saw pure horror oh he's gonna be
2: ruined for the rest of his life
1: <laughs> yeah so he runs off i mean it's his own fault for breaking into somebody uh in a bathroom stall just because he had to go yeah i mean how many who does that
2: how, how many stalls were in that bathroom there wasn't another one open
1: it's an airport stall. There's like twenty in there. Oh, Yeah. So <laughs> must have know. been a terribly busy, even though they said it wasn't busy. The guy's just a douchebag, is what it is. That that was probably his favorite stall or something. I don't know. But anyway, so he runs off security like a little pansy, uh, just because he saw something terrifying, horrifying, and nightmare-inducing. <laughs> um, and so of course they've got to hurry it up, and in the process, it's Tobias's first time morph and fly. You know, he doesn't really know what's going on and while the rest of them start to head out you know getting towards the you know edge of the bathroom where they can leave the stalls and everything Tobias is completely lost he's he's gone he doesn't know where he is says something about a lake and they're just trying to talk him out of the bathroom
2: the the fly's instincts have taken him to the absolute
1: worst place that he could go And and we now spend the next two pages (laughs)
2: <laughs> Just... I, I thought that was a bold move for an Animorphs book. I mean, you know, uh, in in the unknown, we we got a little poop humor, um, and we've had we've had poop humor before, but this is this is kind of different. This is a little oh graphic, Marco I would say
1: <laughs> Marco is at his best. He's telling him to so so yeah. Um, in Flymorph, Tobias is stuck between a bowl and someone who sat down on top of the toilet. Right, and, and Marco uh, Marco's like. Watch out for falling objects and (laughs) (laughs) everything else. But they they get Tobias out of there. It's a funny little scene. And I think it's uh, meant to alleviate uh, what's coming next.
2: Yeah, probably. And, you know, I will say that it is still cool that we are seeing Tobias, who is still the least experienced morpher, and he's still getting carried away. And um, I, I wonder if the author almost planned that, you know, because everybody would be losing this uh this sense that they get every time they morph so it makes more sense to keep one character uh held back a little bit from the rest so you've still got that kind of
0: excitement
2: that that craziness that happens
1: yeah and uh i I think that's valid i think that's some of their favorite times writing is when someone's uh, lost to the instincts of the animal or uh put in a situation that's New and uncomfortable and Mike has a little action scene. So, yeah.
2: normal what happens basically once a book. <laughs> yeah. If not more.
1: <laughs> so they actually make it onto the plane without any more hijinks. Thanks to the diaper. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they meet up with Rachel and Cassie and get onto the plane itself and it takes off and they're kind of just trying to find like a place to sit because it is kind of weird to have flies on a plane. You would swat at those. You would think that was unusual
2: yeah and people start noticing them pretty
1: quick Mm -hmm. and from there uh it's you know another little action beat of like dodging hands and hearing that people were like why is there a fly on my salisbury steak and marco making a joke that he was eating a salisbury steak and (laughs) (laughs) it's it's
2: good times it's it's almost lighthearted um until the the most uh, crazy thing that could happen in this instance does happen.
1: Yeah, which is, I mean,
2: Jake, Jake just straight up gets swatted by somebody.
1: Yeah, and it's not like a cutesy swat. It's I just my thorax burst. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, well, he, he mentions that he's you know like stuck to the ceiling and his yeah. guts are just hanging out. And you know, it's your your typical fly swat. When you swat a fly, you don't really think too much about it. But
1: yeah, he's got like a broken leg, a busted wing. And, yeah, he's split open and stuck to the ceiling by his guts. Well, and
2: he knows for, for sure that he's dying. Uh, he mm-hmm. can feel himself dying. And that's this is what the Animars books do so well, is that they really instill in you a sense of what it's like to die through these characters.
1: It's like the second or third time that Jake's been in this position. Uh, yeah, in, yeah. insect morph dying.
2: I'm, su- I'm surprised to, to see them not putting Marco through death almost. <laughs>
1: well, he's done it too
2: in Shark Morph. No, I know but it's usually marco
1: yeah uh but the thing is they you know they get to him and they're trying to figure out how they can get him off cuz the plane is landing right at this point once he's been swatted um or something it's, it's not landing but they're you know they're off the ground there there's nowhere they can go in the plane but they collect his body they make some joke about and that's not a joke but they're talking about do we collect his guts <laughs> yeah it's
2: that's a great line from marco
1: we could probably talk forever about morphine with only half your body and what that's going to do. But, uh, we have a whole book devoted to that in the thirties. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. That'll be, that'll be a good one. But they get Jake to the, uh, the bathroom, the planes bathroom. And he barely demorphs out of just about to die state. Um, it's pretty close.
2: Yeah. Probably one of the closer calls from Jake. He mentioned, uh, uh... The other time, he was in Cockroach Morph, right?
1: Yeah, he got sprayed with Poison. Poisoned.
2: Yeah. Um, that was pretty bad. This is also right up there, especially because they're, you know, in this crowded plane. He can't just demorph right when they needed him to. But he, he manages to demorph, and he's fine, and he rides out the rest of the plane because apparently nobody notices an extra passenger on a
1: plane back in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like, oh, whatever. who picks somebody up in the air. <laughs> He got on. And uh, once they do get off, uh, they have to make a scramble to buy some shoes and everything. Cause they all just morphed in mid flight. So they have no clothes, nothing. They make, uh, they make a couple references to the fact that this is where all their allowances are going nowadays to just buying clothes wherever they morph to. Yeah. Cause <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Yeah. But, uh, but Jake, Jake is still really sh- shaken up. By what right. Yeah.
2: Happened. When they arrive, I mean, he, he just, nearly died and he's i mean this is this is what what really messed him up i think is that this was supposed to be the safe part of the mission you mm-hmm. know this this is like the mission really hasn't even started yet they're on their way to the mission and things are
1: already going bad they don't um, ever travel very well
2: <laughs> no no not unless they're uh in bird morph out on uh cassie's woods somewhere yeah and even then they run the risk of you know running into pack of swallows that'll make them run into a tree
1: yeah and then you've got amnesia to deal with and then you've (laughs) got giant tornado dust monsters and amnesia that's that book (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but um anyway so yeah so cassie picks up on his shakenness and uh tries to comfort him and jake being jake's like we have a mission to do better get to it
2: well it's like the the, almost the whole group kind of chimes in and, and tries to make light of the situation and just comfort jake in general sort of not not you know coddling him or anything but um it's a nice little scene Mm -hmm. to wrap things up and then once the mission kind of actually gets flowing here it's a lot more interesting the team manages to catch a bus and stop at our taco bell for some Mm -hmm. reason (laughs) on their way to the uh the the world access america headquarters and (laughs) Here's here's what I love. By complete coincidence, the team ends up joining this uh touring group of senior citizens that happens to be showing up at the WAA headquarters. I
1: hear I hear your tone. <laughs> I understand that you uh you weren't thrilled with this coincidence. I think it's pretty common that a big headquarters like this has you know some kind of tour group and they just happen to catch one that was there.
2: Yeah, I know. But I it's just it's my pet peeve. I have to call out con- coincidences. Yeah. Convenient coincidences, that is.
1: Yep. But they uh they enter the building and get away from the tour group as quickly as possible. So yeah, just it's, a bunch it's a of kids part of it anyway. <laughs> running around and uh get some exposition about Joe Bob. Uh how do you how are you pronouncing this name?
2: I'm saying Fenstry, but Fenestra? Um, <laughs> f Fenester f-
1: f- ne- Fenestry? F- Feeney? Tre- Feeny, Tre- Feeny? <laughs> let's call him Feeny. He's Feeny for the rest of the book. Done. Nah, I'm calling him Joe Bob. I like Joe, Joe Bob. Bob. Joe Bob's not bad. It reminds me of Steve Dave. <laughs> you tell him Steve Dave. You tell him it's Joe Bob. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, he's he's got his picture uh, hung up there at the at the headquarters of wha? And,
1: and Marco, uh, it's Marco, right? Who goes off about how he's oh yeah, a because Marco's
2: in love with Joe Bob. He's got to yeah. tell everybody all about him. And how rich he is, and and Joe Bob is the equivalent of Bill Gates, is that right? Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. So after you know, after that whole little exposition scene, uh, they get to the main command center of uh, of the headquarters, and wha- yeah, wha- headquarters. <laughs> and uh, the problem is, this isn't like a lot of their other missions where are sneaking to somewhere. They're you know in the middle of a nine to five normal working hours, uh, daylight. Middle of the day, tons of people everywhere. It's not like a night mission where they can sneak in and hack into a computer at some random observatory that makes no sense to the story. Um, This is this is too difficult to go unnoticed, or to what are you gonna morph, fly, or flee, or something, and try to hop on the letters of a keyboard and hack the.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome. X completely hacks the uh, the HQ in Roachmore.
1: Yeah, it's not going to happen. So they <laughs> decide to go for something much more subtle, uh, and subtle in this case means completely not subtle at all. Wait
2: a and minute! No, thank okay. goodness
1: there's no Yorks here.
2: Rachel does suggest that they they could create a distraction, which which is a, a pretty sound plan. I think her intention was a little something a little bit more violent, but as uh, as Jake quickly points out, they don't want to resort to violence because these are probably normal people. And then they go on to have one of the best debates so far about morphing human and why they shouldn't do it and it actually brought me around to their thinking
1: do you want to go ahead and say what what their thinking were was
2: well jake jake i'm I'm gonna paraphrase here but jake basically says that um if they allow themselves to start morphing humans um they'll they'll justify it by whatever their cause is right but his his point is that once they start doing that then there's no going back and that will be similar to how the yerks are using human bodies for their own personal gain once you're able to justify it for something you can justify it for anything
1: and this is you know we've had plenty of talks about this on ThoughtSpeak about how you know they won't morph animals that are smart or they won't morph humans blah 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 and what's ethical but this is a good point if you're gonna it's the batman approach. You know, if Batman kills the Joker, that leads him down a path where who's he going to kill next? You break your one rule, and you'll just, you know, it's a slippery slope.
2: Well, yeah, and I guess, you know, his point being that, sure, they could morph humans to fight the irks, but then suddenly it turns into, well, now we've got to morph humans to, you know, go down to the street and buy a candy bar or something.
1: And, <laughs> I like, and I like this conversation because, A, it leads them away from morphing humans all the time which would solve a a lot of problems in the story they could do a lot thing a lot of things way easier human morphs and and b think like you said like going down to the store and getting a candy bar as someone else or stealing or committing crimes that's a dark story when you start being able to morph other humans the story it inevitably the conflict that will happen will be them ter- uh, turning into horrible people because they can get away with anything. There's no repercussions for their actions.
2: You know that that is probably the biggest book that I wish we had. Is is one of the team, uh, becoming addicted to like morphing people. And yeah, just using it for their own personal gain, and the other ones being like, okay, yeah, this is great. Right. this down. <laughs> and
1: the third, see, the third thing, uh, great about this conversation is the fact that it puts us at a point where. They're super ethical, and they're like, hey, we're not going to cross this line to just win the war. We're going to stand our ground and be moral anamorphs. And then throughout the rest of the series, they start crossing that line. And we <laughs> see that, maybe not this specific line, but we see them making uh, sacrifices to their ethics to win the war. And that's what well, the yeah, series turns and it's into. it's
2: unfortunate because it's the only way that they're able to do it. <laughs> yep. Which is what sucks about war, I guess.
1: Anyway, so they decide to uh, go with the distraction idea. And the distraction idea ends up them turning into their battle morphs and pretending to mop and causing a oh, big I scene.
2: This. I love this scene, too. And, it's so unexpected, and it's a great bit of comedy after, you know, such a heavy scene with Jake's near death.
1: Yeah, and that allows Marco and Axe to uh, basically just walk down and start hacking into the uh, the main servers. So...
2: The That's part great. that I love is uh, Rachel's in Bear Morph, and she's mopping or pretending to mop the floor. And um, there's a little piece of dialogue from two of the workers that are watching it. And uh, one of the one of the guys says, like, I must be going crazy or something. And the other guy says, no, I think that bear is crazy. It's carpeted up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a great little zinger. It's
1: great. And um, it works, and it, it shows that they're... I think one of the most interesting things about this scene is that they're not afraid to morph animals and not worry about their own protection because that implies that they're not too worried about Yerks being here, which implies the invasion really is centered around their their town. It is that small.
2: Yeah, I thought that was a pretty big assumption for them to
1: make, too. But I think they're right, though. I think they're correct. <laughs> but why wouldn't they want a Yurk at the WAN HQ? I'm not saying why wouldn't the Yerks put someone there. I'm saying... I think this somewhat confirms the fact that the invasion isn't as far along as we think it is. I think it's right now centered around their huge california town. Yeah, it hasn't well, branched I'm sure out much the, further. The
2: Animorphs' past efforts to, you know, destroy the Kendrona and everything have hampered the uh, spread of the invasion as well.
1: It's not helping.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's True. Um. There, there's a little tiny, minuscule kind of battle scene here, but it it really kind of ends abruptly because Jake doesn't, you know, want them to fight there, and he basically gives Cassie, who has gone with her favorite skunk morph, the permission to end the conflict with her skunk
1: abilities, <laughs> powers, <laughs> and uh, Mark and Axe get off scot-free. They download the information pretty quick, and they're done.
2: Yeah, and I I love this little part here where they all meet up again and and Marco the only thing he can say is that he learned uh learned the sad truth about his online girlfriend who as a
1: 73-year-old postal worker.
2: <laughs> right, he's been chatting up some old dude.
1: <laughs> that's so Marco. That
2: is the internet on in the 90s.
1: <laughs> that's that's K little warning to kids to be careful who you're talking to. Make sure you make sure you do the ASL <laughs> yeah, because once they say that, that you can't, that you can't lie. Everything. You can't lie when somebody asks you that. Yeah, <laughs> nope. Yep. I
2: I never knew what that stood for, so I was I was always like asshole. What's asshole?
1: <laughs> this person wants to see my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, anyway, um,
2: there's just one little tiny part here that wraps up their their first mission, and it's with the return trip. They go back to the airport, and this time Jake is just nervous as hell. I mean, he's he's sh- uh, shuddering, he's sweating. He says uh, when he wipes his forehead, it looks like he uh, dipped his shirt in a, a mop bucket or something. So he's not doing well, and Cassie picks on up picks up on that immediately, and she tries to talk him out of it. She's like, "It's okay to be afraid. It's crazy for you to do this, considering you almost just died." And I think they have just an amazing conversation that really wraps up the mission. And Jake gives one of his best kind of little leader speeches here yet.
1: Yeah, to sum it up, he basically says, No, Cassie, I can't show that I'm afraid. Because everyone else is just dying for a reason to just let loose with their fear. So they look to me to be the brave one. And he's completely right. If he loses it, uh, it gives everyone else permission to fall to that level and as a leader you gotta step up you gotta be what people want to be not what they actually are
2: yeah it's it's
1: it's just great stuff mm-hmm. so they get home and uh one of their big focuses uh you know they know they know who these uh chat room uh screen names are now they know the individuals they know how old they are they have little conversations about uh, you know the fact that this one is going to go talk to his father about whether he's a yurk or not, and it turns out that it's like some nine-year-old kid. Um, and they also find out that one of the screen names, one of the big ones, uh, is Joe Bob himself, the creator of WAA.
2: He's hanging out in the Yurk forum.
1: <laughs> yeah, so they 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 boil it down to these two uh groups to save. You know, they've got to figure out why Joe Bob's on there and why he is doing all this stuff. And their little side mission, they decide as a side mission, which Cassie isn't too happy about, is to uh, save this little nine-year-old and stop him from telling his dad that he knows about the Yurks, because that'll get him either infested or killed.
2: That's what Cassie wants to do. And Marco's all gung-ho about um, investigating Joe Bob more. And he he really sort of uh, <clears throat> convinces Jake to do it. I, I get the the feeling that Jake wasn't as into that. And yeah. he even mentions that he has a bad feeling about it.
1: Uh, The point is Jake goes home and he's researching Joe Bob. Uh, That's his, that's his you know thing to do as the leader. That's his, what he uh, agrees to do as his little homework. And he's going to research the mansion. This guy lives in, how they could get in there, what kind of security they'd be facing. But he gets distracted by the fact that his family is wanting him to stay for dinner and, and not go to Marco and, uh, research this as a group like they were planning to. And uh, ends up just having like this great scene with his family, all sitting around the dinner table, joking around normally. Uh, he's watching a game with his dad, pay-per-view. And it leads to what I think is the absolute best writing in any Animorphs book so far. Can you guess which scene I'm talking about, Mitch? Yeah,
2: probably. I mean, the one that I thought was also, this is just the best scene that we've had uh, with jake and his family in general where where they're just sitting around it's totally normal and then you've got jake who's like looking at tom like i'm gonna
1: destroy you one day yerk and i will
2: make you pay yeah he for says, what I'm gonna, you've done
1: i'm gonna rip you out of his skull and kill you we
2: we've criticized before how we haven't had a whole lot of interaction with jake's parents thus far and this book definitely rectifies that
1: and I'd like to, I'd like to read an excerpt of this, what I think is the best writing meaning any have book so far. Excerpt me. His mom does talk to him. Uh, and she, she asked if, she's like, you're awfully quiet, Jake, thinking deep thoughts. And so he smiles and he says, I was thinking this was cool. We should all have dinner uh, together more often. I looked at Tom. It was nice. I hope nothing ever happens to us. I hope we'll always be together. The York inside Tom's head searched Tom's memory. The Yerk opened his memory and read it like a book. He played the strings of Tom's brain like a violinist squeezing perfect notes out of a violin. The Yerk found the answer that Tom would have made. It aimed Tom's eyes and made Tom's face smile sardonically. It opened Tom's mouth and made Tom say the words Tom would have said if he'd been able. And it's just like that line. He then makes some joke about the tiramisu and Jake having too much liquor. But, like those lines of him describing the interval process he assumes the Yerk is going through to control his brother's thoughts is just excellent it's great this book has a lot of good scenes in it mm-hmm. so after that then they go into talking about uh narrowing it down to who they should protect and they yeah they focus yeah we cut,
2: uh, we cut to the group at the edge of cassie's woods one of our favorite locales yeah in this, and uh animorphs universe
1: and that's what we discussed just now is that they decide that joe bob is who they should focus on jake specifically decides joe bob is who they should focus on no, and uh, Marco
2: decides that. Marco kind of pushes Jake into it. In fact, yeah, but Jake he's has, the one who suggests it.
1: But Jake has to make the decision. That's well, the yeah, entire. But... That's the entire point of the second half of the book is this decision. So, um, I feel like he was talked into it. He like, was talked into it. he Wouldn't have suggested that himself. Yeah. Well, no, he was. He was being talked into it by both Cassie and Marco. So he did make the choice. I mean, Cassie wanted him to go after the kid, and Marco wanted him to go after Joe Bob. So... Yeah, but
2: he. he uh in my defense here they think they're just doing like some kind of reconnaissance mission where they're just going to you know pop in check it out and again Which, they think nothing dangerous is going to happen
1: that setting he really should have listened to Cassie because uh that wasn't a re- uh you know that wasn't a recon mission to save this kid that was something that's time sensitive so really i don't really know what made jake make this decision other than Marco being more persuasive, I don't know,
2: well, I think he was a little bit hesitant to get in to involve themselves in this random kid's you know ordeal, despite Cassie
1: wanting to do it, which Cassie wants to involve herself in everything, so well
2: yeah there's there's a lot of Cassie in these Jake books, <laughs> really, mm-hmm. everybody goes bird morph, and uh they're they're gonna go investigate the Joe Bob mansion, which turns out to be like the biggest.
1: Uh, I don't even know how you'd put this. They like, saw it. They said, it's, they said it looked like a college campus.
2: Yeah, it's just humongous. And it is completely guarded with all sorts of normal human things. like
1: Three walls, uh, guard dogs, <laughs> towers. Guards with, guards
2: with guns. Yeah, it's not, quite... Not Dracon blasters.
1: Yeah, it's quite protected. And uh, being birds, they're like, Oh, hey, well, we don't have to worry too much about that. There's an open window. We'll fly in. We'll morph. We'll take a look around.
2: Yeah, good idea. Because uh, Rachel, being the gung-ho one, is like, woo, me first. And she dives, dive bombs for the window. And as soon as she hits like the window frame, there's this electrical sound, some invis- invisible electrical barrier that she hits. And she goes missing inside the house. And Jake and everybody pulls back like, whoa, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and then all these
1: alarms start going off. The guards are getting more frantic. Uh, Jake and the rest of them, they're thinking of like, okay, well, we still got to find a way in because Rachel's stuck in there now. But that's when Axe gets shot.
2: Yeah, Uh, everything goes terribly, terribly wrong with the the guards shooting at him. uh, It's it's not a situation that they can even hope to win.
1: Yeah, and they're all like trying to pick up Axe and there's Rottweilers on them. Uh, it's it's going really badly. and for the first time in all of Animorphs history, they bug out and leave people behind. They leave Ax and Rachel. well presumably no, this, this is
2: what i this is what I really liked about it is that Jake has to give the really difficult command for everybody to leave him behind.
1: I'm not saying I'm not saying I don't like it. I love it. I'm just saying it's never happened before. They always find a way to get one of them out because in all the other situations that has happened in other books so far, um, if they didn't get the person out, they would be a hundred percent dead immediately. And so that's what they were leaving them to right here. Is that possibility of just, we are leaving Rachel and Axe to die.
2: Yeah. Well, at least that's what they think. Um, and, and they get away, uh, safe and sound and everybody gets to regroup on a, on a rooftop, um, it's like a wendy's or something it's a wendy's <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of product placement in this book
1: wendy's taco bell i don't know if it's product placement i don't think they were getting paid for this or anything i think they just wanted i think with all the pop culture references and uh real life business references i think that's more of them just trying to a relate to a young audience and be make it more real world yeah they, sci-fi they story more familiar yeah that's so right. So they grab some, uh, they grab some Frosties, and
2: uh, <laughs> and they're they're freaking out though. I mean, they have no idea what to do. Everyone is upset. Uh, Tobias, of course, is is enraged for having left his best buddy. Marco
1: starts being an absolute asshole. I oh, mean, yeah. he's he's angry, but he's he's acting like that to Tobias. Him and Tobias are about to get in a fight. Uh, and Jake is just like he's Marco's snapping at Jake, telling him, "You got us into this. How are you gonna get us out?" Jake is saying he doesn't know what to do. He's absolutely, actually losing it as a leader for the one of the first times we've ever seen.
2: Yeah. Oh, he's speechless. He can't like. He just. He can't even come up with anything
1: until Cassie
2: comes in and you know rubs his back a little.
1: Yeah, and uh, he comes up with an idea and says, "How far away is the gardens?" Which that's just a badass line, uh, in the context of the series. (laughs) So I was excited when he said that. We
2: all knew it was coming.
1: Can I just say, middle of the book, not even going to hide my satisfaction or anything. Jake books are becoming my favorite books by far. (laughs) They're darker. They're more exciting. They're much more real world for some reason. Even though they're breaking into this mansion, it still just feels more grounded to me. And they're all about Jake dealing with being a leader, which I can see some people getting tired of that. I am not getting tired of that. It's these oh, are my not
2: as long as they're going to keep, you know, providing creative and original ways for them to challenge him.
1: Yeah, I mean this is on par with the last Jake <clears throat> book in my in my mind so far.
2: Yeah, and you know, the book just gets better because Jake and Tobias fly out to the gardens and Jake acquires the rhino, which um I always like these uh these garden acquiring scenes. Although this one's quite rushed.
1: Yeah, this one's quick. <laughs>
2: Um, for good reason, for good reason. Yeah. They didn't need to spend a whole heck of a lot of time on it. <laughs> no. Um, And, you know, they fly immediately back to the mansion, and it's all very time-sensitive here. Okay. Um, And they just get right into it. I mean, Jake sets down. And he's like, okay, I got my new morph. I'm going for it.
1: And I like how they don't know what it is. And he starts morphing a rhino, which is a pretty weird looking creature when you're halfway through morph. And is like, what are you morphing? And then the horn shoots out of his skull. And he's like, oh, that's what you're morphing.
2: <laughs> no, he just goes, <laughs> oh, that.
1: <laughs> and uh, the plan is really simple. Jake is going to go through every gate and every person and every door that's in his way in rhino morph. And it's yeah. a very, very good plan.
2: I I um I like it a lot. Uh, he had no idea that the rhino's eyesight was so poor when he got into it, but um, they they find a way around that by having everybody kind of navigate him around through the uh, sky.
1: We get a funny joke out of it, the fact that uh, he's lining up to get through the main door to the house, and uh, he hits it once, and he can't get through, and uh, he hits it again. He's like, wow, that was a hard door to get through. Because he's like, you missed the door. That was the wall. <laughs> right
2: (laughs) yeah it's it's like you know driving a tank blind
1: yeah and so they get inside and they're basically going room to room trying to find uh rachel and axe in this giant mansion that's not working with
2: all these guards shooting at them and and this is cool because it's not like you know hork coming at them texans crawling that down the halls these are just like regular people regular guards and most of them are just too scared to even do anything. They all <laughs> run off.
1: Yeah. So you got Tobias flying around and they decide that, okay, we can't search room to room. Look for where the guards really are. If we can find the guards, we'll find the room. And Tobias finds them quick enough. It's up some stairs. Well, um, and
2: once they're inside, uh, Jake immediately makes, you know, thought speak contact with Axe, who uh, has just woken up in time. And, uh, Jake, you know, begs him to demorph just in time,
1: which he would have done the same thing with Rachel, surprisingly, but, uh, she's well, not she replying anything. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so they find the room. Jake can't get up there cause he can't get upstairs cause he weighs like three tons. Uh, but Tobias is causing the biggest distraction of all time, just flying around this whole house and all the guards chasing him. Um, they demorph, they go to human and get ready to go into their battle morphs in some side room pretty normal procedure for them.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm surprised they caught a moment to relax, but you know, everybody had run away by that point. Mm-hmm. Um and then <clears throat> this is uh this is another thing that we don't often get to see in books. Um somebody in morph talking to a human.
1: Yeah, again, they're playing it pretty fast and loose with yeah, their identities <laughs> getting in this getting book.
2: bold here. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And Jake scares a guy off, uh, basically by talking to him and Asking the guy how much he gets paid. And then, you know, showing him his claws. It was
2: pretty awesome, though.
1: Awesome yeah, it was. It was cool. And finally, we lead to this climax of uh, getting into this room where they are. And I was surprised. Immediately, it's talking about it's there's like a green sky above. Got some York atmosphere going on there. And we've got a uh, lead molten pool, which is obviously a York pool. And
2: there stands
1: Joe Bob. Joe Bob whatever. Whatever his <laughs> last name is uh no, Bob And in two cages, you got you got Axe, who's now full Andalite, and you got Rachel, still in her uh, not golden eagle, bald eagle morph.
2: Yeah, and they're they're like <clears throat> frozen in this kind of weird.
1: We don't know that yet. Oh, don't we? Nope.
2: Well, they are. I can yeah. still say that. I mean, they're they're stuck there. They're Spoilers. Axe is like uh, these half Andalite or something or.
1: He might be a full in by now. He's? I think he is. Anyway, but yeah, they're they're stuck in this biostasis. Uh, they're not dead, even though they look like it. But they're frozen and uh, being trapped. So, Joe Bob's sitting there, obviously a controller. But everything doesn't line up, because they, they mention the fact that, yeah, none of your guards are controllers. Like, they were told to watch out for birds, so they know something. But Joe Bob's the only controller in this situation. Which is weird, because controllers get along pretty well with each other, usually. Why would he yeah. by, by himself?
2: Joe Bob steps forward and is like, my brother must have sent you. You know, he, he delivers that line for everyone to wonder. Oh, who's that? Who's that? And he, he goes on to deliver his, you know, evil villain backstory monologue and basically tell him his backstory. And it's even got a little Yerk biology lesson mixed in.
1: Yeah. Which is cool. It's more of a culture, uh cultural lesson than a biology lesson.
2: Huh. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, any any instance where we learn more about the Yurks and like what they do in their free time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I love this because it's basically the plot of Gattaca. You have you have oh yeah, I guess so. You I have twin so. Yurks, and one is considered the lesser one. And he says there are twins where they actually get along really well and they form like these power couples. But uh, in his case, he was the lesser Yurk, so he was he had nothing. He was just a shadow of society and, and nothing important and his brother was the big and powerful one and i'm like okay i'm thinking his i've never read this book before this is my first time reading this book and i'm thinking okay is he chapman's brother is he tom's brother nope viscer three wasn't in this book so we gotta get him in somehow
2: i know yeah Visitor exactly. three's
1: twin brother <laughs> yeah
2: well you know what i am happy that Visor three didn't show up in this book actually I know, but it, it's it like been... it's
1: it's like he did because this is twin brother. Well, it's yeah, almost they, like they
2: a, shoehorned him in here.
1: It's <laughs> anyway. almost like a campy nineteen fifties sci fi twist. It's like I'm the evil twin who's more powerful.
2: I, I, just, I just imagine when when he drops the bombshell revelation that he's you know Visitor Three's twin brother. I imagine <laughs> Joe Bob has a mustache that he twirled and looked at the camera at the same time.
1: I'm surprised he also doesn't have an andalite morph. It's just got a goatee.
2: <laughs> yeah that would be awesome uh,
1: uh but yeah so they have a lot of questions for joe bob and they keep talking to him kind of uh they're not really stalling but they can tell that he kind of is and it's weird because both sides are just kind of figuring out what they can give the other one to get away scot-free and they through this conversation they discover that he has beaten the candrona starvation limit uh, the three-day wait where you have to recharge and Candrona Rays. He's hasn't had Candrona Rays. He's cut off from the rest of Yurks because he's a pariah. And the reason he's a pariah is because he found that if you eat a Yurk, if you cannibalize another Yurk every three days, you don't have to take in a Candrona Rays. You can get your uh, sustenance through that. Yeah, but
2: then you're still depending on the Yurks having access to the Candrona. So it, it's not that great of a <laughs> workaround
1: no no it's not something that's gonna like solve the york's problem or anything but for him it's an incredibly screwed up cannibalistic uh way to live your life <laughs> it's... yeah
2: so do you think he, he eats them like with his human body right you think
1: no i think in the york body he does how it. i don't know but he has a pool Why would he have a pool if he wasn't doing something like that?
2: Why would Yerks be able to eat each other when just swimming around in the pool? I don't know. Maybe it happens by accident. Maybe they eat
1: algae or something. But I can't see (laughs) him being able to consume Candrona through a human digestive system into his brain. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think I think he somehow does it in the pool. I don't know how. Yeah, they they really didn't uh,
2: go into it a whole lot, other than you know eating Yerks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So this is incredibly messed up. It makes him one of the most evil characters we've seen so far because he's a cannibal to his own people and it's strongly, strongly, strongly implied that he's murdering the human hosts of these yurks he's finding.
2: Oh, I... If this were, you know, remade into a TV show, he would flat out admit that, of course, he kills them.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> the is, website's how
2: he lures his victims in.
1: Yeah, that's the entire point of the website. is He, he finds people, he convinces them to reveal themselves uh, and and... Finds the controllers, tracks them down, and then, I assume, captures them and eats them.
2: (laughs) Naturally, certain members of the team don't like this.
1: (laughs) Specifically Cassie, who (laughs) is just, this is blowing every button of hers. Uh, Well,
2: and and it's crazy, too, because she's, like, flat out, like, Jake, you should kill him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she asked Jake to kill him. 100%. And, uh... Jake turns around. He's like, why don't you do it? She's like, because your morph's better for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's,
2: it's, it's a very tense situation. And I when I was originally reading it, I mean, I didn't really know where it was going. And this is the only way I saw it working out anyway, Is Jake just kind of settles the matter by being like, OK, you can live. But we want our friends back and we're out of here.
1: Yeah. And that's just kind of how it happens. Yeah, they get out. Uh, They get Axe and Rachel. Rachel somehow demorphs on time. Feels like they've been here for like six hours, but yeah. uh, she gets out okay. And they leave this terrible, horrible person uh, to keep on killing Yerks and humans. It's probably one of the most messed up decisions they've made so far. It's, yeah, a, it's hu- a weird one. but It's a I huge mean... compromise when all they've talked about in this book was not making compromises.
2: <laughs> that is true. Well... So that's the end of that mission and it didn't necessarily go as planned. It didn't go um, well. It's not a good mission. <laughs> this is when we get another nice scene with Jake and his uh family, specifically his mom,
1: which I mentioned earlier, but Yeah,
2: and was... this is the one where where he's sitting outside and he's looking up at the stars. And this is honestly one of the best like monologues that I've read in an Animorphs book so far where he's sitting out there and he's looking up at all these stars and he's like, they're so beautiful, but this is the stars are where all my problems come from.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then his mom comes out and says, Hey, keep looking at the stars.
2: Yeah. And she gives him a nice little you know speech on that, that turns out to be ironically fitting for his present situation where she's like <laughs> telling him, you know, well, you're the best weapon you've got. Whatever.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's an interesting thought and it's nice to see, uh a book written by an adult where the adults like look I'm not saying your problems aren't that serious in fact I'm saying your problems are worse than mine it it gets me through the day thinking that you yeah. think your life is harder than mine <laughs>
2: uh, yeah it's it, it takes a b- bizarre turn there towards the end but I enjoyed it as well
1: yeah and um, uh right after this uh Jake is kind of just thinking of everything and he realizes that Cassie's going to do something stupid um she's not going to let this lie like how they ended it and at first he he kind of seems like he's going to go uh towards back towards the mansion like she might do something that way but instead he figures that she's gonna go straight for gump the kid which is just a dumb name i'm sorry gump it's his his
2: screen name
1: i I know but it's (laughs) it's a bad screen name but anyway it's this little nine-year-old boy and she catches him at school in wolf morph i don't know how these kids aren't terrified of a full-grown wolf running around she looks
2: enough like a dog to nine-year-olds
1: yeah well she talks to him and says she's like some magical wolf and tells him not to tell his dad and she basically does what she what they've been talking about the whole book she compromises and makes this kid terrified of his dad
2: oh yeah she tells him not to trust his own father yeah and and when jake does show up he's you know too late to stop her from doing any of this and she's telling him telling him all this stuff and she is heartbroken about you know this terrible choice that she had to make and uh, it's just it's a really Tense and kind of difficult scene
1: yeah it's it's very weird a way to solve that little subplot, but after this, really interestingly uh jake Jake and her feel like they're not gonna talk for a while, and they seem really messed up over the decisions that both of both of them made,
2: yeah, they leave and, off on pretty bad terms,
1: yeah, and uh we later find out that uh Joe Bob's mansion burned down, which Jake warned him if you stay in the mansion you're safe. If we find you in the real world, you know, you're whatever happens, happens. It's, you yeah. know, it's kind of a weak threat, but uh, then his mansion burns down and it's funny how the book describes it. It makes sure to tell us that Joe Bob's okay. He's safe. Uh, but one of them, either the Animorphs or maybe visitor three caught up with them. It, and it even implies that we have a faulty narrator and Jake and that he might have done this started a fire at this mansion. And it's not telling us. It won't tell us who did it. And I think this is great. I think this is one of the most unique things in the book so far. It's an awesome thing. I just think they didn't take it far enough. They make sure to say that he was safe. If he would have died in the burning down of his mansion, and it's possible one of the Animorphs did it, that would have fit every single theme of this book. It would have been a perfect, incredibly screwed up ending to everything this book was leading up towards. (laughs) Yeah, it, it would be pretty awesome. And they could still keep the, you know, the squeaky clean image of the book uh, by implying that Visor Three did it, like they kind of already did. Uh, like maybe Visor Three caught up with them, but then leave that little Inception type ending where Jake's like, or maybe I did it, but I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> you know, uh, it, ah, it would have been amazing, and it would have fit because they were all so angry and they were so messed up over how everything ended, and I think this book was really leading to that, and I think at the very end whether it was Michael Grant K. Applegate or the publishers themselves were like, no, you can't go that far. Burned out his mansion. Sure. But he's safe. I honestly think that was a note they had to change.
2: Well, that would be interesting to find out. And you know, maybe they just wanted to end the book on a slightly more happy note because that's basically what they do.
1: But think this ending, which you're about to describe, sorry, the ending where Jake and Cassie slowly rebuild their relationship. And it kind of ends with everyone having one of those quiet, normal moments uh, like Jake described with his family earlier and kind of, that's an awesome ending and would have been much more impactful had they had just had a scenario where the guy died and then they try to go back to their normal lives. I mean, I'm sorry. That's just, that's a huge misstep I think for this book. And I loved every other aspect of it, but that it was all leading up to that. I think once I read that line and then when it made sure to tell you that he was safe, I, I just immediately thought cop out in my mind. <laughs>
2: Well, I didn't have a problem with it.
1: Uh, it, I only say I have a problem with it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying I had a cop out with it because I think the book strongly led to that by making sure that this Yurk, he wasn't a normal bad guy Yurk. He was an evil Yurk. They were already getting you ready to have something horrible to happen to him. It's classic screenwriting 101. You make someone, you know, kill a dog or something so that it's not as big of an impact when one of your hero characters kills him later. Um, yeah, I mean that's—I uh, can't think of any other way that book was leading up to that with everything, the themes of the book, everything it was talking about. I'm going to go ahead and say this is my review. I'm jumping right into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, get, get to it.
0: Wondering which roller coaster has the highest top speed or what exhibit is our guide's favorite in the park? Just ask them. They love to share their opinions and critical analysis to help you better plan your day. Yeah,
1: I mean, this is this book was great. It's on par with the last Jake book, which I think was number 12. Uh, I gave it a five star because I thought it was everything an Animorphs book should be. No, number 11, The Forgotten. Sorry. Yeah, the one where he turns into jaguar. But um, I loved everything about this book, and I thought it was right there with it until I think I honestly I'm losing a star on this one point, because I think it's something that the Animorph books have done before, I don't think it's outside of their comfort zone, having someone die uh, maybe it's a little out of their comfort zone to imply that one of the Animorphs is a murderer, but I think it, I, I don't think it pulled the trigger I think it pointed the gun and, you know, fired a blank or something uh, I do not I don't think it matched the rest of the story, and it is pretty messed up still, that so one of them could be responsible for burning down this guy's mansion.
2: Burning down the house,
1: but this incredibly evil character is still alive and still doing what they know he's doing. So I think I think it's it's a I think it's a disservice to the story that is by other means pretty perfect, and pretty perfect for an Animorphs book. So I, I think Joe Bob needs to make a comeback. He might, you know, there's a lot of books we haven't read, but <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna give this four out of five gumps. Ooh. Yeah, that's... I saw that
2: coming. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh I really and I'm right there on the edge. It's a very very high 4 out of 5. But it's well, uh it's just up there.
2: I I got to say I'm not surprised and and I will start my review off up front with with my rating. Um I'm I'm right there with you. 4 out of 5 as well. 4 out of 5. Wah, HQ's. <laughs> um I think uh I think it was just a Awesome book. I mean, it's it's still filler, and that's why it doesn't quite get the five star rating from me. Because this book is still technically skippable. It's still really fantastic. I mean, this set the new standard of filler for me, for the series. Um, I just everything with Jake trying to be a leader and making all the wrong moves. It it all works. It's fantastic. I mean, it, it really feels like you know. A little kid learning to become a leader uh, and i'm I'm starting to wonder how many times i'm gonna have to write the phrase so-and-so manages to demorph just in time because that's a <laughs> <laughs> cliche that's popping up a lot but it's going to and I, I have no problem with it um and you know another thing that i thought about while reading this was this is a book that i would have liked to have nate read I, I, I think it would have been a really interesting one for yeah. somebody who's uh you know not a fan of the series
1: And I do want to stress that I honestly think this is not a good book. It's a great book. I think this is one of the better and books I've even read up to this point. And I just, you know, everything that Jake is dealing with, what he goes through his conversations with Cassie and especially his conversation with his family and his inner monologues is the best writing of the series so far. Uh, yeah, the only reason I'm, I'm dropping it to four is just because that, uh, the ending overall, not just that one part of it, but overall, the ending does kind of just uh, what's the word? It just tones down at the end. It doesn't it doesn't have a strong ending. It just kind of eases out of the story instead of having uh, some real consequences or wrap up.
2: Yeah. And that's what makes it ultimately feel a little bit forgettable to mm-hmm. me. Um, but, you know, I had such a fun time reading it that it, it it doesn't affect me as much because I know we're going on to bigger, better things.
1: Yeah. Very soon. very. We've very got soon. the
2: oatmeal book to look forward to I right hear. Oh my
1: gosh, oatmeal.
2: I've never read the next one,
1: actually. Neither have I. Dude, we're getting into tons I haven't read. <laughs> and then we're getting into some dinosaur books, and then we're getting into the David Trilogy, which it's, I've it's read. All,
2: it's all going to be good.
1: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think that's it for us. I think that's our review. We're kind of, uh, like I said, we're streaming this down, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up.
2: I just want to, wait, I, I just do want to say one thing that, um, the, the trivia for this book there on Seropedia, I remember we used to do, it's not the greatest. They don't have a whole lot um, in the ter- in the way for this episode, but the Seropedia the entry is seriously messed up. Seropedia, you need to fix this. It looks like a bunch of kindergartners got on here and tried editing this thing.
1: Seropedia <laughs> <laughs> probably hasn't been edited in quite a while.
2: <laughs> it, it might be, yeah. I don't know. It could just be so outdated, but Yeah. It's a mess. And uh that wraps up our our ThoughtSpeak episode number Wait, I don't know what the episode number is. So oh I'll gosh. just say <laughs> Book sixteen <laughs> review. Uh, episode thirty two. No,
1: it's like eighteen or nineteen, I think. Uh one of those. <laughs> yeah, I think anyway.
2: We're
1: 18. anyway, well uh so let us know uh what you think of this new format where we're kinda just straight into it. I think we're still having plenty of discussion and side notes and things. We're just kind of toning down the banter and, you know, 17 sections that go into the book. I think we're okay uh, cutting some of that stuff down. So this is this is more manageable for us in our lives, I think.
2: I think we will continue to have fun, and everyone who listens to us will also have fun.
1: Yes, and that's what that's, we're That's
2: for. my goal. We're having a good time here, and we're talking about some Animorphs. Can't yeah. go
1: wrong. So, yeah, so, you know, come back next week uh, where we discuss
2: number 17, The Underground.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, I am looking forward to that one for very particular reasons, which I'll get into next episode. Okay. Ominous, mm. yeah,
2: ominous.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so check out our Facebook, our Twitter, all of these things for, like we said, Mitch's book series, uh, which we have a new book trailer for. You can kind of see what we do behind the scenes in our normal lives, uh, what our, you know, possible, you know, professions could be in your eyes. I don't know what you pictured we do, but <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. So
2: the, the book is called Devil Ash Days, by the way.
1: Yeah, and the book trailer is called Devil Ash Days book trailer. So, <laughs> so check those out. Let us know what you think. Uh, always, always looking for those iTunes reviews. We've gotten like three since we've been in this hiatus that were all really good reviews. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah, I haven't checked them. Yeah, I've been checking them, and we've been getting still been getting really good reviews. I'm glad you guys uh, like the show and that you you know we got some nice messages of people wondering where we were. So hopefully we can uh, be more consistent now that we can streamline this episode down and and have just a faster process all, all, all around that'll help us get episodes out quicker too yeah so
2: yep yep it's all good things people really yep.
1: <laughs> so that's it you know hit us up on twitter hit us up on facebook like us, <clears throat> send us our, come, reviews. come
2: chat with us on reddit
1: yeah R slash animorphs we're always on reddit and uh we we love those emails too at thoughtspeakcast at com. Uh, you can always hit us up there. And our uh, Twitter handle is MorphCast, at MorphCast. So, uh, all right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. We hope you keep listening. Hopefully, we haven't lost anybody in this uh, little high period. But we're going to keep going strong and uh, see if we can get through the series. Sounds good. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's it for us tonight. I'm Coleman. And
0: I'm Mitchell. Peace out, y'all. On behalf of everyone here at the gardens, we hope you've enjoyed your stay and welcome you to come and see us again soon. Or, as they say on the Serengeti, Tafadali Mtu, Kupata Jambo, Hili Anje, Yakichua Yangyu.